Shalom Alechem. Good Shabbos. It's Friday. And for all my Goyim friends listening, hey, the weekend's here. Enjoy your weekend. Yes, let's get pumped and kick it off with this podcast. And I'm going to make you think a little differently about the relationships in your life. Let's get into this marriage book. You heard me right. I read a book about marriage before I get married. Yes, because I am a prepper. I get that, I guess, from my mother. Let's do this. Let's get right in. Okay, everyone, let's get into a marriage book of all things. Let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Let's get right into a marriage book. I know of all things. I I just want to see what it is you can learn from a book when it comes to marriage. It's a dynamic and an intangible thing. But they kick off the book in chapter one talking about stereotypes. They say that you should recognize if you stereotype and that let's say you marry, you know, an American or even just like you're in the States, you marry a New Yorker. And the way a New Yorker acts compared to a Californian are different and you might stereotype because of that so just be careful how you stereotype how it's going to affect your marriage and by the way disclaimer reading this book i couldn't help but think okay how can this affect the relationships in my life like the people i live with because i live with my brother i have lived with my brother since literally we were embryos because uh, we're twins and we've lived together up to this day i'm 24 so i was thinking a lot of this you'll hear me talk about a lot of this stuff that it applies to who you live with i find that really cool So if you find me comparing marriage to my relationship with my brother, because we pretty much live like married people, then excuse me, but that's what you'll notice here. Next is focus on maybe a person's religiousness and then their baggage, because that affects a marriage, whether you like it or not. There's tip number two. So this actually might change the way they emotionally partake in holidays. Uh, This might change the way someone emotionally partakes in any family get together. And uh, I asked the question here, will that cause issues with your child's baggage? And the answer is 100%. Uh, Your baggage will affect your child's baggage. But as a wise woman once said, uh, Nechami Silverberg, how are you? She goes, take a child who's extroverted and let's take a parent who's introverted so they don't take their kids out to public things. And now that kid resents the parent. That child will rebel by raising their kids as extroverts. And then let's say one of their kids is an introvert. So they go and take the kids out all the time to public places and it actually just makes the introverted child anxious. And then that introvert resents their parents. And then they don't take their kids out and the cycle never ends. Yes, it's just a metaphor, but seriously, baggage is inevitable. And you never know that what you're trying to do to protect your kids because of your experience That's just pure projection. And then they're going to do the same thing. They're going to try and protect their kids from anything you had done, even if it was in your best interest. That's what's crazy. Anyways, it says the book mentions, ask yourself about your identity. Okay, really explore who you identify as and explore your past, the hidden issues, because your past is going to shape your identity and that's going to cause baggage and it all ripples into one another. Okay, that's chapter one. Chapter two, it says you should avoid a couple things here. Escalation invalidation, withdrawal, avoidance, negative interpretation. Okay, those are the biggies. Now, let's break these down a little further, okay? Escalation. Don't let something small, like a cup being left on the table, escalate into someone being lazy, someone being irresponsible. That's called the halo effect, and we don't want you to tie other attributes onto one specific thing. To invalidate is when someone 
cleans the house and they're proud of it and you say hey it's messy in here or why didn't you clean better that's not that's the opposite of validation and this book actually does refer to validation a lot it's important to validate a partner obviously genuinely but still like you should look for things to validate in them and you're gonna have a better marriage apparently according to these people this was co-written by the way by three individuals i don't have the book beside me but uh yeah it wasn't just one author here uh, withdrawal and avoidance you should avoid that because the gist of this whole book was kind of just communicate, 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 and know your history, know your baggage, know your hidden issues, like what you're projecting. So withdrawing and avoiding, that is like the opposite to communication. And now we're going to start assuming and the person's going to start assuming emotions. And then that's going to transfer into secondary issues, right? We call that the domino effect, the ripple effect. Uh, let's move on. Negative interpretation is when you take a situation and you spin it into a negative way. You, you say, you meant to leave that out to annoy me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's people interpreting a situation in a bad way instead of, oh, you were stressed and you were trying to help me out, but whatever. That's a more positive spin on a situation. So the book gives recommendations as to how you can avoid escalation, invalidation, withdrawal, and negative interpretation. I will list them here. So in respective order, but, uh, so this is how to avoid escalation. Deal with things as they come and don't bring old issues into the new. Okay. I could not agree more. Uh, there's a, a there, what's the saying? It's give something 24 hours if it bugs you, but no more than 48 hours because you should bring it up right then and there. But sometimes we get our emotional brain cooking in those first 24 hours and say things or do things we shouldn't. And sometimes, you know, I was just listening to a podcast by NPR, Ted Radio Hour, and the guy was talking about sleep. And he called sleep our natural first aid kit that, that uh, not just physically, he's saying like it allows, a, oh, no, no, our natural, it is a first aid kit, but he said it's like a therapy kit or something. He's saying that sleeping things off, you do get a new perspective. Time does heal. And that's my spiel. Let's move on here. So another tip here to avoid invalidation, they say, is just honesty and communication. Oh, no, sorry. That's actually the next one. Sorry, I skipped it. Validation. So, okay, that's so simple. Validate is how you don't invalidate. Uh, anyways, honesty and communication is how you avoid withdrawing and avoidance. Okay, just be honest and talk. Yeah. <laughs> Negative interpretation, how you avoid that? You explore your childhood and parents' childhood and then seek out evidence. And if there's no evidence, don't assume, just ask. Okay. But I really like that they said, go and strip down why you're doing what you're doing. So if someone's interpreting something, let's say someone is, uh, they're telling a story and they start to get really loud because they're excited. And maybe they grew up in a household that they were used to being interrupted. So you had to speak loudly so no one could interrupt you. But then someone who grew up in a household where anytime the voice was raised, someone was in trouble. So now she's interpreting this as he's getting upset and it's, and it's a bad thing. And then I don't know. Whereas if they just talked and said, hey, actually, and she goes, hey, honey, I, I don't, were you mad? Because, like, I don't like loud noises. And then he would say, oh, oh, no, no, that's not at all. It's just I do that because growing up, my family did that. Boom. And then you've communicated. There's, you know, there's evidence uh, and there's no assumption. No one got upset. That was the, that was the main thing. Chapter two, chapter three, they talk about uh, women literally at one point in chapter three this was it women often think men don't care about the relationship as much as them 
according to a marriage counselor. So this is not literature. This is just someone's opinion. Take that with a grain of salt. Now, what do I think? I kind of agree to this. I do think men, I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know if it's cultural, but they take more of a nonchalant approach to relationships. They're not, I guess, um, a man isn't typically as active in a relationship, I found. Now, I personally, and I, I sh this is my ego justifying, but personally, I would, I feel like I'm going to be super active. Uh, there's a saying, a bouquet of flowers a, once a week is cheaper than a divorce. <laughs> and, and also, I, like, I want to be so active. I want to budget marriage counseling. I think people should prevent rather than rehab. Think about it. You hurt your back. You go to physio. What was the best thing you could have done? Prevent the back injury. You should have been strength training your body before you got hurt. This is the same way with our relationships. A lot of people just fly through the streets and they crash. They didn't take any precautionary measures. Uh, I'll say it even more bluntly. is just prevent relationship issues. Don't, uh, don't take care of the symptoms of a bad relationship later. So hire the counselor. This is my opinion. I'm not, I'm not married, but I'm just saying this is what I want to do because I've seen my mother go through a couple brutal relationships and, uh, yeah, I, I am definitely getting a counselor and we're doing marriage counseling beforehand because they're going to ask questions that you never thought of just, you know, and even if you did think of these questions, they're going to surface them. Whereas you might've been too afraid and insecure to bring them to the surface. Anyways, chapter four, I've got a plethora of notes here, kind of, and I'm excited here. So it starts off, it says, learning begins with listening, right? Uh, I've heard many people say, there's a reason we were born with two ears, one mouth. We have to use them proportionally like that. So later on, they say, there are six filters that can cause problems. And let's start with the first one, inattention. Okay, people want to be heard. So apparently, according to these authors, the key is to give attention when it counts the most. Okay, like pick a time and a place. Now, I didn't put an example, but let's have fun here. Let's say someone comes home after a long day, right? You haven't seen them for a while. And yeah, sure, you might want to vacuum or something. But that's probably the time and place where you're going to want to give them attention because they're going to want to catch you up. They're going to want to share in the joy and the despair of their day because that's how connection happens. So that's the important part to give attention. Whereas let's say someone, it's the weekend and you guys are both home and, and uh, the person sat down to read and there's, they're going to eat with you later in the day. And you sit down and you go, hey, hey, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me about like, what, what do you think about this is happening? And the person just wants to read. That's the wrong time to give attention. And same with the person gets a new dress and you want, and you say like, that's a lovely dress on you. And that's giving attention when it's a good time, when it counts the most, as these authors would say. And by the way, if you're thinking what I'm thinking so far, like I know these are all pretty common sense things in a marriage, but you'd be surprised. Like some people let these go. I think that's the key is like people let them go as they get older and everyone goes, oh, how come our marriage isn't the same as it used to be? And it's like, I don't know. These people must have like let it go or something. I don't know. Anyways, number two, emotional states. What do they mean by this? They're talking about emotional carryover and projecting. Emotional carryover, that concept, and in Maxwell Maltz Psycho-Cybernetics, they actually talk about it a lot. They say positive mental imaging is how you produce emotional carryover. Okay, I'll break that down further. So Maxwell Maltz, he, he believes that if you visualize and imagine good things and picture good things, you're going to trick your brain into putting you in a positive state. And that will force you to carry over that positive state into the next chapter of your day or life. 
Actually, this is a prime example is today. New song came out by a group I really like. They haven't put new music out for like three years. Beach House, great group. And this song blew my mind, melted my ears. It was incredible, like serotonin on blast. And talk about carryover. It's like, I'm coming in, I'm feeling so grateful, so good, so good. Um, and do you guys want me to interrupt this thing for a second to tell you, you know what, I'm going to do this. This is my podcast and I'm just going to speak openly. Like I told you in the trailer, this is my auditory journal kind of. So I am going to get this. Okay, here we go. I have been finding that imagination trumps reality. Does that make sense to you? So for example, there are some girls I've been talking to and the, the imagination, my fantasy of, of the dates and my fantasy of how things would be hypothetically if we were dating for years and years, I start creating these fake worlds, right? Like me living in a different city with them or like, and, and this isn't necessarily just like these couple girls, like this is even with my work life. I, I imagine me retired one day when I do things like this, like literally right now podcasting or if I'm driving the car and I have a few extra minutes to do something and and even I was at the at that was at Toyota Town. No, no, I was at um Canadian Tire getting my winter winters on. I was reading a book and I was like, ugh, I could be retired. This feels like I'm retired, just in the middle of the day doing an errand. Anyways, and, and it's moments like that I imagine this fake world and it feels better than the real thing. And I'll tell you is because I've imagined awesome futures and I've imagined awesome dates with um, girls and whatnot and and it's never it, it sadly doesn't like usually live up to my fantasy and I'm like Ugh, is that just gonna be life you know like I feel like that's just how it is like we always think it's better in our heads than it really will be or maybe not better just different like it's always gonna be different in the real world than in our heads I don't know and I even have memories of me as a kid like when I was like 12 I'd think of what I wanted to say to my crush like on Valentine's Day and I would think of the whole conversation and orchestrate it and compose it like as if it was gonna go this way and then I would actually go for it and it would completely spin 180 degrees yeah anyways there you go spiel over let's dive right back in emotional carryover uh that's that's actually all I have for that point by the way okay, is emotional carryover and just be aware of that because that can apparently help a marriage. And I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Don't project your own fakakta unless you can articulate why you're feeling crappy, okay? Like, there's no point in, because you feel crappy, getting a crappy feeling over the dishes not being, you know what I mean? Like, you might as well articulate being like, ugh, I can't stand how I feel. Like, this day was horrible, blah, blah, blah. That's mature. Otherwise, you're just an adult baby. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like if you make loud noises like yelling uh, instead of articulating your feelings, you're, you're no different than a baby. A baby cannot articulate how it feels. So it screams, it yells and cries until the mother goes through the list. Food, changing, uh, cold, tired, you know, what I mean? like or, or breastfeeding. Like you go through the list and you're like, OK, it's one of those things. So these adult babies, people make noises in, in, until they have their problem fixed or they do it until everyone's upset so that no one, they don't feel bad because everyone's the same as them now. Everyone's upset. Everyone's confused and they've just pretty much fixed their own issue because now they don't feel like the odd one out. Yeah. This book mentions don't mind read. So, and they categorize that under beliefs and expectations. Okay. Do not mind read because when you have a belief or an expectation on a person that turns into assumptions and then 
that you when you assume you're pretty much trying to read people's minds and mind reading never works don't do it and i've actually been there where, where people expect me to it's horrible I, I would never ever 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 do that and i recommend you don't they talk about difference in style as in like know your partner's family and how they act acted like i told you with that yelling scenario at the table okay same thing just know their baggage and how their family grew up <laughs> cultural differences right like you, that's that's point number five and that's no explanation needed self-protection so here like embarrassment and other instances that cause someone to protect their ego and identity it leads to them lashing out over silly insecurities so so this this can really really fuck up a marriage not communicating your insecurities so then when the tiniest thing comes up it causes the issue that in the book they talk about um this person made a bad investment okay and so they're insecure because they feel like they fucked up, like they're irresponsible. Now, instead of just saying like, honey, I am really, I really am insecure. Like I don't, this is going to sound like a robot, but I don't identify as someone that messes up investments. And I just did. And that feels so crappy. And I feel bad because you might be mad and I'm scared. You see, here we go. Now we're transitioning to the fear because fear kind of controls our everything, our insecurities. So we're like, oh, I'm scared of you being mad. And I'm embarrassed because you, whatever. That's proper articulation. And then the person might be sympathetic. They might, if they do get upset, you got to understand they're projecting their own fears, right? And they just don't know how to articulate that per, per se. But that is where this embarrassment and insecurities come out as lashing. Because in the book, they, they say this person who made that bad investment and lost their money. Instead of saying what I just said, he, he forgets about it, okay? He pushes it aside. And the wife says something like, Hey, we should go to the Bahamas because we haven't been on a trip in like five years. And he goes, oh, that's going to be expensive, right? And she's like, yeah, but we've saved for it. We're good. And he's like, no, no, we're not doing that. Like that we've, we're too busy. What, like, can we just focus on work? Like, why don't we ever, and see how we're starting to lash out. That is code for I am insecure and embarrassed and I feel bad. I just feel bad, but I don't have the chutzpah to tell you. <laughs> and, and again, like I said, all this applies to me and my brother. Uh, this happens all the time in our household, stuff like this. And now, without getting too meta about this, it actually kind of affects things further because I do talk like a robot so that there is no lack of communication. Now, that actually doesn't work. And I'll, I'll tell you why. is like a person doesn't like feeling patronized. And when you talk to someone saying like, I understand that upsets you, where, what, made you upset was it something you were taught in your past and when you start talking like a therapist like that a lot of people do feel belittled and now we're talking about a further insecurity like they maybe that's triggering the way they were treated as a kid and they don't feel like a kid and being a kid is inferior to being an adult and they don't want to feel inferior and some at some point in their life they were taught that being inferior is a bad thing and at some point in their life they were taught that in this moment when they get patronized they're inferior and it's just like it's too far for even me to handle but i'm just saying it all ripples down to fears and insecurities and that's why i don't do what i do i, I need to this it's like a in my opinion a super nuanced micro skill to communicate without sounding condescending okay does that make sense to you because i i need to work on that where it's more flowy and i just to this day i still don't know how to fully do it now i have a theory and this is this is probably me just justifying because for upsetting my brother, but bear with me. I think he wants me to get to his level. Like I said with the adult baby thing, and, and my brother does a good job. He's not 
like a, an adult baby. I'm just saying, I think if I'm not at his level, it makes him feel, yeah, inferior in, in my opinion or something or something. I, I'm not going to assume here. It makes him feel something and clearly that whatever that something is upsets him. This could be no different in your relationships in your life or marriage. <laughs> okay. Whatever that something is. Yeah. People don't like to be belittled. Now, if you don't get what the filter thing meant, because I, I mentioned it briefly, there is like these filters people have. It says here, know what filters your thoughts. So a filter meaning like that, that negative interpretation. So let's say someone really it hates sex for some reason, like they're insecure about it or whatever, bad experience. So now when they talk about sex, they have a filter on that conversation. You get it? Think of a filter on Instagram, like a picture changes what it looks like. The conversation, they change the way they see and hear what you're saying when you start talking about sex because of their negative experience. And that's the filter. Now, if you're aware of what your filters are, it, I call it bias. To me, it's just a bias. If you, if you know what it is you're biased about because of your baggage, talk about it. So this says, quote, I know I'm sensitive about sex, so I may not be very clear right now. Da, 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 and then you keep talking. If we get to know what our filters are, you can have these super open, clear communication um, commu uh, conversations. Not <laughs> clear communication. No, yeah, you can have good conversations when you're open about that stuff. The book, by the way, it recommends. And, and before I move on, my opinions on that is spot on. I couldn't agree more. Like people, let's work on ourselves. Okay, this is a message to you to work on yourself. I need more people to dive in. Like, why do they do what they do? Now, in in um, Maxwell Maltz book. He talks about let sleeping dogs lie. Don't always dig into everything because if it doesn't propel you to your desires, propel you upwards to your goals, let it go. Forget about it. Here's the analogy. You're playing darts. You're missing the board. You have to think, why am I missing the board? Oh, okay. My hands tilted that way. That's why I'm missing the board. I'm going to tilt it upwards. You hit the board. Don't go back and be like, okay, don't tilt hand down. Don't tilt hand down. Like, you need to now say tilt hand up, tilt hand up, look at the board, hit the board again. So metaphorically, when you keep thinking about what failed you, you're more likely to fail. You need to scrap what failed you. And now you have to focus on what benefited you. Metaphorically, think about tilting wrist up to hit that dartboard. And once you hit the, the 20, go, okay, what did I do to hit that 20? Oh, my elbow came in a bit. Okay. And then forget about tilting wrist up, go elbow in, elbow in. And you know, that. Take it with a grain of salt, though. I'm not saying that's fact. Obviously, you're going to have to go back sometimes and tweak up things about yourself. But that's the joy of going inward. And uh, long story short, now that you understand what I'm saying, when we go inward, which everyone should, and work on the things that actually benefit you, it'll uh, benefit your relationships because now you can be super open and tell people like, hey, okay, this is my filter uh, or my bias or my baggage. And just so you know, this is my baggage and I'm aware of it and I'm working on it. But when we have this talk, you know, it might trigger some of that and it might make what I say a little bias or whatnot. The book here recommends a speaker listener technique. It actually refers to this a lot. I don't fully like this, but I understand the good intention here, which is someone saying like, may I have the floor and someone speaking saying you may have the floor now. It seems a little awkward and a little like, you know, a parent talking to a five-year-old or like kids in school doing show and tell, but Hey, you know what? If people have a hard time communicating, maybe that that is what helps them. I don't know. It says here, paraphrase what your partner's saying during an argument. 
And uh, this is just a classic way of showing someone you're hearing them. Okay. It's simple as that. We call this active listening. Someone says, excuse me. Oh my gosh. I hope you guys didn't hear that. I just burped so hard on this microphone. Anyways, I didn't. And it just came up randomly. Anyways, that was cringy. So let's say somebody says like, I'm sick and tired of you coming home late. Okay, which I've, I've heard my brother says this all the time because I'll promise like, yeah, let's watch something. I'll come home 30 minutes later. So someone says, I'm sick and tired of you coming home late. And that's where you say, instead of going like, give me a break. Like I'm just working. Like that causes conflict because now we're blaming and whatever. You say, you say, I came home late. I'm really sorry about that. Or, or and, and let's say sometimes for some people, they don't like these early apologies because it sounds fake. So you could even just as simple as, I know I came home late. I know. I know. And then you just have a conversation from there and keep sympathizing. They go, I know. Why? Why? What? What did? And you say, listen, I got carried away doing this. Boom. And then give them the floor again. You don't have to keep justifying. And uh, once they, at the end of hearing them out, once you hear them out, I, and I'm not an expert here, okay? I'm just bringing, this is my podcast. I can just spitball. Once you're done hearing them out, then you say, I, I've heard, and you keep saying like, yep, I, I hear you. Uh, let's say they then say like, you know, I prepared for this. Like I was waiting for 30 minutes and let's go. And, and then you say like, it, I'm, it, I'm sorry. Cause it must've, it must've been annoying that you had to wait and you could have done other things. I'm sure. Boom. And then they're like, ah, okay. He gets me. He knows I could have done other things. He knows that I was impatient or whatever. And then at the end of understanding and they feel heard, you, you apologize, hug, Something like that. Anyways, moving on. They talk about ground rules in this book, in this chapter. Excuse me. Using ground rules during fights and using skills that are learned from the book. So they say this reduces divorce, which obviously they're going to say this. Uh, but the ground rules are like those little things. The act of listening and the, the filter, like knowing your filter and self-protection. So like knowing your, your baggage and your traumas. These are... These are the ground rules. Now, oh, other ground rules could be, sorry. And, and by the way, that's that's the skills, but sorry, ground rules kind of tie into that as if like ground rules could be, we a ground rule, and you make these by the way. They, the book recommends that you should sit down and talk about this together. It could be an actual bonding exercise to find out what ground rules you want to set for each other, which is like maybe when the kids are around, we do not fight. Maybe that's a ground rule or if it's past eight o'clock, we do not fight because it's right before bed and we don't want to ruin our sleep or something. Or that, that could be a ground rule. Or ground rule could be before every conversation, like we say something we love about each other. It's not, I know that's cringy, but I'm just saying there's a million techniques out there. And or like one I like would be ground rule is when we make a you statement, it has to be followed by an I statement. For example, uh, what's something I haven't talked about yet? you broke the car. What's your problem? Like that's expensive. And then instead of just finishing there, you say, I didn't realize how scared I was of spending money on the car. That scares me. I have financial goals that I am scared are going to be jeopardized. And then actually we go back to, I forget what book it was, or uh, this is a podcast from a long time ago. So go back and dig it up. It was something I'm going to paraphrase. It was like, anytime you you're scared or angry, it's like, question your belief is this belief indeed true <laughs> if not then find what's true if it is a true belief 
is it the right belief for the situation? And, and that's, and I think there are a few others, others, but that's how you strip it down. And it's just think about that, like the car situation. So then someone says like, I'm scared because it, it's going to ruin my financial goals. It just, and, and then that's where, then you could look inward further and go like, but you know, I understand that's irrational. Like one car payment's not going to ruin me from accomplishing my goals. That's just, it's shined a light on what I'm scared of. And, and that's all is like, I'm so passionate about my financial goals that that car thing got it up. And, and then after talking aloud like that, like after figuring out like why you were fearful and angry, because remember, remember it all started with an I statement instead of the you, then you can embrace and be like, okay, okay, it's fine. Um, just support me through these financial goals. Cause really it's important to me. And the car will be okay. And, and you just talk about it. And you're like, okay, okay. I was irrational. My emotional brain got fired up because it wanted that other separate thing so bad that it leaked into this conversation. I don't know. So so that's a ground rule, for example, is like that I'll, I'll follow one day. Is like always follow things up with I statements. Or maybe just avoid you statements altogether unless you want them to understand why you're upset. I don't know. I don't know. Um, they, they finish the chapter off. They say... This isn't a miracle strategy, but it apparently helps. Is the authors recommend to start practicing this stuff outside of conflict, which sounds really cringy. Actually, I disagree with this. Like, there's just who has the time and day to be like, okay, let's practice our ground rules now, like throughout this conversation, even though we're not arguing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little, little Yotsi, little Mashuga. That's the end of chapter four and also going to be the end of this episode because we're coming on the 30 minute mark and I don't want to take up too much of your time. So thanks so much for listening. We're going to have part two of how to crush your marriage next. Who would have thought, by the way, that I thought this would be so boring, by the way, but I'm having a good time because I'm referring back to all these cool little behavioral hacks I learned in other books and videos. So I hope you're enjoying this part two coming. Thanks so much. My Yahudim, my Mishpoche, and all my fellow friends for listening. See ya. Well, I hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate five stars and review. I would really appreciate that, even though this is just a passion project, so I don't really care, actually. You just live your best life. Don't feel obligated. Take care. Shabbat Shalom, good Shabbos, and enjoy your weekend, my mishpoche. Oh, this was such a blast to do. See you later.